Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And good morning, everybody. This is Bob Solter on our program on The Fan, Sports Radio 66, Sports Radio 1019 this Sunday morning. And it's a busy time around uh, lower Manhattan, uh, around Manhattan today. The 9-11 Memorial and Museum we're going to be talking about. Michael Frazier is joining us on our program. He's Executive Vice President and Deputy Director for External Affairs. And uh, he's going to share with us some interesting uh, perspective, a little bit of background uh, on that facility also talk with us about an interesting event that is uh, taking place actually uh, this weekend and also about an exhibition that is uh, coming that should be of interest to a lot of people listening to WFAN as well. Michael, first of all, it's nice to have you join us on our program. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And good morning to you. I guess there's there's a number of different things that we could talk about in starting this discussion, but... I always like to go as basic as possible. There are people who are listening to this discussion today who they themselves may have been to the memorial and museum site. There are also others who may be intrigued by the idea but have not been there. Tell us a little bit about the memorial and museum. I will. And just to that notion of who's come and who hasn't, you know, the memorial itself is this outside place. It's open air with the two enormous um, reflecting pools, and surrounding those pools are the names of the victims from not only attacks in New York, but also in Washington, also in Washington and uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. To that space alone, um, since we've opened in 2011, 37 million people have visited. Um, the museum, which is located beneath that plaza, has had about more than 11 million since it opened in May 2014. Um, last year, uh, respectively, the memorial got 6.8 million visitors in a year, and then the museum did 3.1, more than 3.1. You know, it's it's it's. I've run into a lot of people who have either gone to the plaza, which is the memorial, but not have made it to the museum, and particularly New Yorkers because they feel like they already know the space, they know the story. You know, I try to remind people that there's there's a lot of things that although we were there, we can't, the museum doesn't tell you what you already know. But what is interesting about this space, it reveals things that you either forgotten. And also it bubbles up to the surface, these inspirational stories that, that, you know, during the time of the attacks, they weren't forgotten, but because there was such incredible grief and we lost our towers and our city had changed, these unbelievable stories were also part of our efforts to preserve the history. And I think I would tell people they should go and be reminded of what some of those stories were. Um, and so it's, it's, it's been a tremendous to see people come from all over the United States, all 50 states. And we had, you know, people coming from more than 175 nations and all types of heads of states. We have sitting presidents, global leaders. We had the Pope visit us. Um, he did a huge event uh, around the 15-year anniversary. Uh, it's called a gathering of peace, and brought all these religious leaders uh, together and, and at a place in Ground Zero, renewed hope, uh, renewed faith, and it was a, it was an incredible thing to witness. 
What is it like being a part of an organization that's, you know, that is, is, is centered there because there's, I would assume there's a certain, um, power almost being there. Yeah. It's not a typical place where, you know, most would come to work. My background is is a journalist. Mm -hmm. I was a print journalist for over a decade. I, I covered, um, city hall and also, uh, the, the reconstruction, the uh, rebuilding effort of the World Trade Center site. And through my years, I would go down before anything was built there to do, you know, reports on progress and what was coming to be there. And it wasn't just my focus just was not on the foundation that was building the Memorial Museum, but also the Port Authority's efforts to rebuilding the other buildings that were there, One World Trade, 2, 3, and 4 being built by Silverstein. Um, so I just had a front row seat of how is the city being rebuilt, you know, under the leadership of Michael Bloomberg, who also uh, chairs the 9-11 Memorial Museum Foundation operating and running the um, Memorial Museum. When people either like myself, when we go to work, we understand the power of this place and what it has done to change New York City and particularly lower Manhattan, um, its economy, um, just where, um, you know, having to bring that back, but also the sense of the community. You know, there is essentially a place for people to cross, to go to work, go to rebuild places. There's um, new businesses, new things to see and do. There's a whole group of people who have businesses that have come down since then, since the towers have been rebuilt. And it's just, it's this larger sense of community. But in the background, obviously, it's a, a very reflective place for people to contemplate about what happened, but it was like I was saying earlier about um, these inspirational stories. I think oftentimes when when I'm there, and I think other people feel the same way, given what people endured and what they went through, and waiting to see something being rebuilt from the rubble, you have a tremendous sense of pride of what has happened there, although you respect all the things that have been lost, and you, you look to honor that. But you see a lot of people who are coming downtown and who are going to work and who are staying in this neighborhood, who are supporting small, small businesses, who are supporting uh, cultural institutions like ourselves, that we don't receive any ongoing funding from the city, state, or federal government. To see these people come down and support this institution, is just, it's incredible, and it's, a, it's an honor to work there. Well, where does your funding come from? So the majority of funding comes from admissions. So I, I call it America's Museum because literally people who are coming here, it's their museum, they're supporting it. It comes from people who are buying a ticket, who are coming to the museum, and then the rest are coming from um, the gracious donors that we get each year, either from private, smaller contributions, um, corporate contributions. But the majority comes from our admissions revenue. Mm. And in terms of I almost feel silly asking this question, but I'm going to. The mood among the people who are there. You know, mm-hmm. you've used the word reflective a couple of different times, and some people who have not been to um, that part of lower Manhattan, uh, especially people who were there before September 11th, 2001, and have not been in that area since, may have a perspective that going there would be a somber experience, very sad. Yeah. Is that the case? 
You know, uh, it depends on the person. It's like anything in your life, right? Um, when you come across something that you have deep knowledge in or experience, experiences in, you're going to respond to it a specific way that is built on your per- personality or, heck, even your upbringing. I'm making a point of, you know, I, oftentimes when I'm touring people on the site, they'll ask me, you know, how am I supposed to respond to this? How am I supposed to act? I want to smile. I want to cry. I want to laugh at something funny, some anecdote I'll give about a family member or a rescue and recovery worker. And I tell them I cannot tell you how you can feel or how you should respond to something that you are seeing. All I ask you, given the enormity of this event and where we are, is that you do it with tremendous respect. And for the large part, I've seen that. I've also seen some very strange behavior, Bob, as well. Um, You know, like I said, we get visitors from all over the world, and the age differences run the gamut. Um, There are people who are coming to our site who are growing up in a world where they now go through an airport, and security is what it is. It's different for me. I was, you know, I I had a different traveling experience before 9-11, but people are growing up now with that's just its status quo. So I think they understand the enormity of sight when they're there, but because they didn't, they don't know anything else. They have no other perspective in the world besides post 9/11. That their actions, although I don't deem them to be highly disrespectful, they're not the same level of someone who understands the gravity of the situation and what happened at the site. And you know, whether it's a generational thing, whether it's just an observation from someone who grew up a different way than I did or you did, you know, the, the responses to the site is really interesting to see. And um, But on the most part, most people, they know where they are, they understand the situation, and some are not reflective. You'll see people sharing a laugh. You'll see um, couples sitting down on some, we have some stone benches there, uh, enjoying their lunch. And I, I don't know what conversations that they're having, um, they may know someone who died in the attacks, or they may just be someone visiting from the tri-state, and they love New York, and they see how beautiful the place is and how it's been rebuilt, and they feel a different way about this terrible history that we came from um, at that site, and they feel it's an appropriate place to sit down and, and, and have a conversation in a place that was attacked and been rebuilt in the way that it has is just you know something that they want to be a part of. It's really an interesting thing for a person to go down and walk around and see the different reactions that are taking place, not only at on the plaza, on the memorial, but also in the museum. Mm. Must be extremely powerful. Um, we're talking with Michael Frazier on our program. He is executive vice president and uh, deputy director for external affairs, talking with him about the 9-11 Memorial and Museum and uh, sharing some information. Uh, There's a lot of different things to talk about in the course of our discussion. One thing I'd like to do a couple of different times, this is an appropriate point, I think, to do this the first time. What's the website for the Memorial and Museum? So the website is 911memorial.org. That's 911memorial.org. You can find a lot of information about our institution, how to visit. There's tours that are available. There's things for different ages that are age-appropriate. 
Um, we have free access days on Tuesdays. And um, obviously, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And it's easy to find us there as well. Okay, that's 911memorial.org. And we will repeat that address. And yes, there's a lot of information on uh, that site. Part of the reason for our discussion today is the fact that there's a special exhibition that is uh, coming to the 9-11 Memorial and Museum uh, this year. Would you tell us a little bit about how this came about? Sure. So we have an exhibition opening in June, on June 27th, called Comeback Season, Sports After 9-11. We're announcing it this weekend because we have an annual 5K run walk that was created um, to bring people together in memory and honor of the attacks and understanding that sports does this. And that's what it did um, in the aftermath of 9-11. So the exhibition is it's a unique period in our history that reflects a seismic shift in American life on many fronts. But perhaps that was overlooked and, our, and, and what we're trying to document for the first time um, is powerful links between sports and commemorations, and how sports provided a meaningful connection to people who have been killed and created these stories of bonds between, you know, star athletes and first responders and families of now and victims. And we detail all these emotional stories in this upcoming exhibition. I think most people who are either sports fans or if you're not a sports fan, there's no denying the power of sport. It is a incredible leveler. Everyone has a favorite team, everyone at least understands what sports can do, and it gives us something to cheer about. And that was precisely the goal of um, examining sports after 9-11, is you have these incredible moments, historical moments. Think about, at that time, NFL and uh, football, uh, football season and Major League Baseball seasons were on the, on the way. Um, the NFL had to cancel their season to deal with this. And the first team that sort of got that going was the New York Jets. They, you know, Herm Edwards, who was then the coach, and Vinny Testaverde, the quarterback, they thought, you know, this is not time for us to really go out and play. As a team, this happened to our city. We need to be Americans. We need to reflect on this. And they led a trend for the NFL to postpone the games that were in September. They, they wouldn't restart until early January. So there's stories like that. But the exhibition also has incredible memorabilia as well as moments. Um, one thing that I, you know, being a Mets fan, is there was an incredible game on September 21st uh, that it was the first uh, major league um, baseball game, first sporting event in New York after 9-11. And it was this iconic moment in the eighth inning when Mike Piazza up at bat hit a two-run uh, home run clinching the game for the hometown Mets. It was an incredible time uh, for the city and also for the nation because it gave them a moment to cheer and be excited about something. It became much more than a sporting event. It was a rallying call for our country. Um, it was a very proud moment for our city. And, you know, we knew we would be okay. And so this moment will be captured in the exhibition. We'll have um, Piazza's jersey they wore in that game on display and information about that game for people who don't know it. Um, so it's, it's moments like that that we, we hope to bring, you know, see 9-11 through sports. But it's, it's, it's going to be an, an incredible exhibition, and um, we're very excited to, to bring it to people. And, and 
one thing that we really want to do is make sure not only New Yorkers, but have an exhibition that's really open to everyone, all ages. I think families are going to be able to come in here and understand something and, and you know, understanding the difficult history of 9-11. Something like this, being able to tell the story this way through sports, we found is a great balance um, for us to be able to, to put on for people. You know, it points up so many things, um, Michael. As I'm, I'm listening to you because as, as I'm listening to you, I'm literally being taken back to that period of time. Because, you know, in the period of time immediately after 9-11, there was um, incredible sadness. There was a lot of reflection. In some cases, people had... Um, anger. Um, they wanted answers. But yes, everything went into kind of pause mode with sports. Yep. And there was that sense of, yeah, we want the NFL to resume. We want Major League Baseball to take place because you know we're getting near the end of the season etc but there was that pause that was necessary and then it was almost like that game with the Mets was sort of like a big uh, yeah releasing the air and of course you know in the dr dramatic fashion of the Piazza home run I mean it's icing on the cake Right, <laughs> literally right. for for Mets fans and 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 you know for I, anybody I, yeah. for anybody yes literally you know no, nobody was was w w nobody cared about you know the fact that they the people who, who traditionally don't like the Mets or whatever they they right. didn't care about that okay those kind of allegiances went out the window everybody right. was one there was a sense of unity that took place and sports was right at the heart of that. You're so right. And, you know, but just even thinking about that, right, I, I couldn't imagine a moment, not just Piazza, there's other great moments that, what would they, what were they thinking? And this is, I think, is what redefines sports for me. I think sports have always been a part of a larger conversation that bring us together to look at deeper issues. So I think it makes sense to use it in this uh, historical exhibition that we're looking at, right? I think it makes sense for the special exhibition. Think about Tennis great Billie Jean King used her sport as a platform for advocating for gender equality. Jackie Robinson forced the nation to take a deeper look at segregation, breaking the color barrier in the Major League Baseball. These moments, these experiences are historical. And then, you know, a synopsis in sports, what happened before? Think about, and this is going to also be covered in our exhibition, think about after the Pearl Harbor attack on December 7, 1941, the then commissioner sent a letter to Franklin Roosevelt saying, I don't know what we do, it's baseball season, but we feel like we need your advice. I'm paraphrasing, we need your advice. Should we continue playing the sports? And in what's called a green light letter uh, that Roosevelt wrote, he said, and I'm quoting, I honestly feel that it would be best for the country to keep playing baseball. Sports is important. And, you know, when people say stuff like, you know, uh, it lends an escape for us to forget about our problems, I understand why people say that. I do, because it's something that's entertaining. You see something that is phenomenally unfolding on the court or at the ball field. But to me, I feel like, and I think most 
people will always will, will also experience this. You don't really escape your life or what has happened to you. What sports and what these guys do is we revere them as heroes because they're doing things that are incredible feats of, of humanity, things that are very special. So then when you take 9-11 and look at the humanity and the special feats that first responders did, everyday citizens did, that is incredible. So the merging of that moment and with the um, challenges and the athleticism and the and the extraordinary will and determination of our athletes, it's it's a perfect mirror image of who we are as as people and what challenges we are able to overcome and through sheer determination. It's really remarkable when you look at it that way. And it's also an interesting way of cataloging history. Right. Because there are so many parallels to significant events in the history of this country and the world that tie right into things that have happened in sports. I mean, it's it, it, it's unbelievable in a way. But, you know, I think back to that time, too, and thinking about Mark Messier's. Yeah. Um, that game, it was, I think, in, that was in October of 2001. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and again, it was just, there was just that sense, that atmosphere that of, of people coming together and a spirit that you, you can't manufacture something like that. No, you can't. Yeah, you, when you think about him charging the ice, you know, as they, all games when they call the players out, they, towards the ice, and you just see his face. And I think what was incredible about that 2001 game, you know, and it's sort of carried throughout our exhibition, there's some signature moments that it it does, right? There's a stoppage in sports, um, and, you know, sort of like a timeout, then swinging back into action, resuming play, heroism redefined, and then there's this notion of rivalries have dissolved because we're all one team, as you said earlier. Mm -hmm. But – this resuming in play, games are now changed. You know, um, there's a moment with, with Messier, you have now first responders are invited to this start of the game in honor and respect to them. It's somebody that, that we all revere, but now these sports stars are saying, these are the heroes. You know, I know you view us as heroes, but these are the heroes. And that moment when he's wearing that, you know, he has that helmet put on his head, is amazing and that it was a helmet that was owned by uh, FDNY Deputy Chief Raymond Raymond Downey, you know, who was a lifelong hockey fan and obviously he was the first responder um, uh, who who died at the uh, on 9/11. That to me is is something that is incredible to see, and sports create these generational bonds for all of us. There's a lot of Fans and, and in this case, uh, family members took on a, a deep connection with the sports that their lost loved ones had. It's sort of like, you know, as the games continue to be played, and um, you know, they still have this connection to someone who's no longer there. I think it's just an incredible thing. And you talk about that feeling. You know, I I hear from people a lot, whether they were at the game, at a uh, specific game, or they were at home. 
you know, you just sort of had this feeling of our nation has changed, and then an incredible moment happens. It unfolds to you, it unfolds in front of you during a game that you're watching. And that's a memory that's forever. And, um, you know, I think that the, the exhibition does a really good job capturing that. We have an incredible, incredible, talented uh, curatorial and collections team that did a lot of research. And because they wanted to focus more on what was greater than fandom or sports, it was more about this emotion. Um, they, they really are starting to look, they looked at the exhibition that way. And that's how a visitor is going to experience these moments, these triggers of emotion, whether you are there or not, it will be undeniable what the country, what the players, what the sports world was going through at that time in, in our nation's history. Mm. It's extremely powerful when you stop and think about it, too. Now, you have sports. some of the sports commissioners actually serving as honorary chairs of the exhibition, which I thought right. was a very interesting idea. How did that come about? So we have we have a team at our, our place. We 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 understand that you know as a people ask a lot of questions about our special exhibition. Like I said, the first one was uh, an art exhibition called Rendering the Unthinkable. Most people would say, "Wait, you're a different museum. How would you have a exhibition about art?" And you know, my challenge is, well, you know, I think 9/11 has influenced our country, but also our culture. So why not? The same with sports. I think most people would at least not, maybe not challenge, but wonder, why would you have a sport exhibition there? You know, there's a lot of different museums that focus squarely on sports, and this is something that they do. This is their expertise. Well, our expertise is telling the story of 9-11 through um, different lenses, through different perspectives. And one idea, uh, which was a good one, was to have some people who were involved in those moments um, in major major sports and can help us not only tell a story and validate what we do, but could also lend their expertise in our storytelling. So as you mentioned, we have um, uh, honorary exhibition chairs serving uh, to help us tell bring this exhibition to life. You have We have Bud Seelig, the Major League Baseball Commissioner, former Major League Baseball Commissioner, Paul Tagliabue, former NFL uh, commissioner, David Stern, former commissioner of the National Basketball Association, Gary Bettman, um, National Hockey League commissioner, Don Garber, Major League Soccer commissioner, um, Mike Hilton, NASCAR vice chairman, and Val Ackerman, uh, former president of the Women's National Basketball Association and the current commissioner of the Big, commissioner of the Big East Conference. This whole thing is larger than just the sporting events that were happening at the time. As you understand, baseball, soccer, NASCAR, NASCAR was well into their seasons. Uh, football was underway. But we look at it all. We look at all sports, um, even collegiate. We look at uh, examining what happened there in the stoppage of games. And so I, I think it was important for us to not only tell the story of what happened, but to also include people who were making some major decisions at that time for a multi-billion dollar industry with fans all over the world. You know, what was that like? How can you help us tell deeper stories? And I know we're talking about the exhibition chairs, but I also have to say some of these sports, some of the sports stars have been incredible with not only their time, 
Um, but understanding the importance of the story we want to tell, uh, Mark Messier has been incredible. Um, not only has he lent, you know, artifacts and he's helping us um, tell stories, he's sat down for an oral history that will be part of the exhibition, but just spending the time to tell us his perspective and what he was feeling and, you know, um, what the team was feeling. And, you know, he's a captain, he's a Hall of Famer. That's extraordinary, you know, story to share with the museum that's going to share it with millions of people. Um, the same could be said about Bobby Valentine, who will be uh, today kicked off our race. Our five, I'm sorry, our 5K uh, run walk. Um, you know, his story is extraordinary, too. He was there that, like, that, there that night with Mike Piazza with that historic home run. But also he brought his team down to ground zero, led them down to ground zero to support and thank the workers on the pile. That's that's an incredible perspective for us to have. I think it's a great story for us to share, particularly in our venue, in our space, where this history happened. Mm. So many things that I want to talk about with you. One of them you just mentioned, you have the run walk, 5K run walk and community mm-hmm. day taking place. What is the, what's the, the real significance of, of, this event, this, um, in terms of supporting the work of the museum and the memorial? Well, it's our sixth annual um, run walk event, and we have a community day component where at the end of um, the run walk, we're inviting people, not, it's free to all, we're inviting everyone in lower Manhattan or wherever they, they come for different activities. You know, it started just to highlight the need for people to, um, volunteer their time, serve, provide service to their communities, because it doesn't take just one person. It takes a lot of people um, who, who want to get together and, and change things. So it really started with that. It's like 9-11 brought a lot of people together. People were selfless. Um, they volunteered. They did everything possibly that they, that they could. So that's what the 5K Run Walk was born out of. But also it's used as a time for people to remember, honor, and to run a walk for some some family member that they knew who was lost in the in 9/11 or a friend, and to also support our institution. It's um, the route is in Lower Manhattan, and it retraces some moments that happened during the attacks. There's a, a point um, thank you lookout, right? So there was a moment after 9/11 where first responders were coming to the site, and there was there were people holding up signs, thanking their first responders. So it's those moments that happen. Um, you'll be running towards um, where we ran away from the buildings on that day. You're now running or walking towards a site that has been rebuilt, and you see the One World Trade Center come into view. I mean, it's just, to me, it's, a, it's an incredible event that's filled with such great positivity, and it's one of those, you know, like the positive legacy from 9-11 is an event like this. And it's just been incredible for us to be able to do it. And the response has been great. We sell out each year. We, we have to cap it around 5,000 runners or walkers and the support from the community and our sponsors have been just, you know, remarkable. And we could, we hope to do it for a very long time. And, you know, um, it's presented by RXR Realty, Scott Reckler, who serves on our board. He's been an incredible sponsor and partner to help us with this program each year. Mm. And when you have the support of 
the running community. <laughs> Believe me, you you can literally do anything <laughs> at that point. <laughs> literally, <laughs> definitely. When we took about talk about the events that took place, talk about this exhibition that's coming starting mm-hmm. in June. One thing we've not touched upon, and I'd be very remiss doing this on WFAN if we did not mention the Yankees, right. that dramatic drive to the playoffs, then yeah. we get to the World Series, game number oh, three, yeah, and the President of the United States, George W. Bush, throws out the first pitch. That's right. That moment is, is captured in the exhibition. You know, it's the fall of 2001, you know, nationwide sports fans and non-sports fans were watching. It was a city's team, um, you know, a team from a city that was attacked. You know, it was a thrilling playoff run. They returned to the World Series and uh, to New York. And before Game 3, as you said, on October 30th, um, the first um, World Series game at Yankee Stadium, Bush throws out this pitch. But, you know, let me take you back to another moment um, that's already a part of the museum. And, and um, the Yankees at the time were playing. It was a rained-out game on 9-11, right? And many people, we've heard this story a lot, many people who had attended, who had planned to go to that Yankees game that was rained out um, instead watched the uh, <clears throat> New York Giants played the Denver Broncos, and it was a game that ran late. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I hear people say, you know, I stayed up late for that game. I was late getting into work. And, um, you know, that was something that happened to them by chance, and they were not in those buildings when the plane struck. Right. So the Yankee and the organization and, and sports, it has deep roots in um, 9-11. Also, it's part of this story. We're talking on our program on the fan, Sports Radio 66, Sports Radio 101.9 with Michael Frazier. Michael is Executive Vice President, Deputy Director for External Affairs for the 9-11 Memorial and Museum. Talking with us on our program. Earlier in our discussion, you mentioned the website. Would you repeat that address, please? Sure. It's uh, easy to find, 911memorial.org. And that's a website where you can get all information about the Memorial Museum, any upcoming public programs that we have, and our special exhibition, uh, Comeback Season Sports After 9-11, which opens June 27th. Michael, I want to thank you very much for joining us on our program this morning, um, sharing your thoughts as well. Very interesting uh, discussion. We certainly wish you the best with the exhibition and also with the events that are taking place today. Thank you very much, Bob. It was great to be here. I really appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.